Well, this is our first episode of Ask Pastor Steve. And what do we do here? Well, you send in questions. And man, we asked for some questions just a few days ago. And wow, did you all send in some questions. So I had to make some hard decisions. Which one? So I've got one or two questions, depending on how the clock behaves for me today, that we're going to cover in this first and opening episode. And here's the first question. It's really got two parts. So let me give part one of this question first. This is from a fellow named Jeb. He wrote in, uh, here's one that is salvation related. What does it mean when God repents in the Bible? When the Bible says God repented, like in Genesis 6, God relented or God repented that he made man on the earth. What does it mean when it says God repents in the Bible? And uh, then that'll, be, that'll go into a second part of the question. Let's start, let's start right there. So I want to assert to you that when the Bible in some places says God repents or it relented God that he made man or however the translation has it, it does not really mean that God ever, 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 ever repents, because I'm going to assert he does not. How do we know that? Here's how we know that. First, let me just give you another passage. Numbers 23, 19 reads, God is not a man. He doesn't do things like we do. God is not a man that he should lie. So he didn't lie. Men lie. He didn't lie. And the second part, or he's not a son of man that he should change his mind. Sons of men change their minds. I've changed my mind a few times. God is not like us. He doesn't lie, and he doesn't change his mind. He doesn't, that's the word, repent, same word. So God doesn't repent. So how come it says over in Genesis 6, it repented God, that, or God relented that he made man on the earth, but it says in Numbers 23 here, verse 19, God doesn't repent. Here's what theologians believe. This is not a new question. Many people have gone before us and studied this. And when the Bible says that it repented God that he made man on the earth, this is what we call an anthropomorphism. I'll be more specific in a moment. But what does that mean? God is being presented in the form of a human so we can get it. The language is accommodating to our human weaknesses. We understand somebody changing their mind. We understand somebody relenting. And so it presents God in that way, though God never really does those things. It's more than an anthropomorphism. It's an anthro it's anthropopathic. Po I'm gonna say that again. It is anthropopathic. Pathic relating to feelings and emotions. Uh, like we say, that was pathetic. That felt bad. So it, it's presenting God as having this emotion that God doesn't really have. So one, other scriptures tell us, no, God is not like a man. He doesn't repent. Here's another reason why we know the Bible doesn't really mean that God repented. Everything God ever does is according to his eternal and sovereign will. It's according to his eternal counsel that has been fixed and firm forever. And he is a God who knows everything and is God all wise. So in eternity past, before he created the earth, he had already predetermined everything that would come to pass, and everything he determined was absolutely wise and the best possible plan and was according to his extreme and, and infinite knowledge of everything so that there never could possibly be a thing that would come up then in time about which God would say, oh, wait a minute, I didn't foresee that. I didn't know it would come out this way. Like when God created the earth and then in Genesis 6, he said it, re it relented him that he made, made man upon the earth. Does it really mean, is God like saying, oh, I didn't know it was going to come out this way? 
This is the thing called openness theology, and it's it's heresy. You wind up in openness theology if you have God repenting. So what I'm saying then is, no, God never repents. He never actually relents of everything. Everything he does is infinitely wise, so he never has to change it. Everything he does, he knew everything all about it, so he never gets more information later and says, oh, well, that changes everything for me. And, and furthermore, he works in time all things according to the counsel of his eternal will. So everything he's doing in time is perfectly according to his infinite knowledge and his infinite wisdom. Now, it would be impossible for God to repent of something. You, you make God a learner if you do that. That's the God of openness theology. You make a God who doesn't know what's coming if you want him to repent of things. So when the Bible says God repented, it's just helping little weak humans like us with little weak minds to understand, oh, he does a thing kind of like me. In other words, uh, there's going to be a change of plan now, but it's not that God actually repented inside of himself. But there's a second part to this question. And the listener, Jeb, thank you, Jeb, for writing. Great question. He writes in, uh, so I, I, I feel like the idea that God repented or didn't repent uh, highlights that we don't really need to repent from sin to go to heaven. We only need to repent from unbelief. We only need to repent to belief in Jesus Christ. It's our faith alone that gets us to heaven. And he mentions several passages, Mark 6, Luke 15, Acts 3, where uh, the, the apostles and Jesus preached repentance. So what about it? Do we need to repent from sin? Absolutely. So um, many times in the Bible, the gospel is presented with a call to action, and the call to action is repent. Other times, the call to action is believe. Other times, they're both together, repent and believe. So we know they're both there. They're two sides of one coin. When you believe, you've repented. When you've repented, you believe. But does it mean to repent of sin? Absolutely. John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness, repent and prepare yourself for the coming of the kingdom of God. And then they were repenting of their sins and confessing their sins. Repentance is a whole soul turning to God, it's turning away from my idols. First Thessalonians chapter 1, they turn to God from idols. That's repentance. That's the thing, though not the word. So repentance is always a whole-souled turning from my sin, from my idols, from all that's not pleasing in God's sight to God, that he would now be God to me, and that by his grace and by the power of the Spirit, I might live righteously and in a way that's holy in this present life. So I'm going to disagree with, with you, Jeb. Great question. I respect you and all, but when you say it highlights the need that we, it highlights the fact that we don't need to repent from sin to go to heaven. No, we really do. In fact, if you're not repentant about sin, uh, you're never going to find the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and your God. So I hope that's clear. I hope all the listeners will truly repent of sin and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. But now I'm going to add a second question. This is from another person. I don't know if it's a man or a woman or who it is, but it just says, it doesn't say if it's a man or woman. Um, it says, as Christians, how do we reconcile the fact that there are billions, maybe even hundreds of billions of people who lived both before Jesus and since, who never heard the gospel and therefore have been doomed to an eternity in hell? The question goes on, but great question. Appreciate it. And uh, you know how the rest of it would probably go. So how do we reconcile the fact that there are lots of people who never heard the gospel and are going to go to hell? How's that? How do we reconcile that with a holy and a just and a loving God? And how do we reconcile the fact that... Um, uh, well, th th that. So let me take you straight to the key text on this in the whole Bible. There are many passages that speak to this. This is the one you want. It's Romans chapter 9. 
And in Romans chapter 9, we read, Paul's arguing about these very things, and he says, So then, he, God, has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. It's the will of God. So let's, we're starting to get a bigger picture of God. This is what you need to answer that question. You need a bigger picture of God. God is not just like one of us. He's not like a little, another human but a little smarter, another creative being but a little bigger. You need to understand way more about how he is unfathomably, in a way that is absolutely superlative and, un, and un, unobtainable, he is other, he is high, he is above. He's not subject to the same rules that we are, frankly. So the rule that I would treat everybody the same does not apply to God. And Paul's going to say, you will say to me then, verse 19, why does he still find fault for who can resist his will? But here's Paul's answer. Who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Now, you see, we can answer back to other people. Hey, that's not right. You shouldn't have done that. We can answer back to other people. But who are we to think we could answer back to God? He is God. He's the great and infinite and eternal being who created the heavens and the earth and made us according to his own will. Who are we to say, wait a minute, God, what are you doing there? I think you did this thing wrong. Who are we? And then Paul gives us an illustration to help us understand God and his will in this. Will what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? No, atrocious. It would never do that. It can't do that. Has the potter, that's God, no right over the clay, that's me, to make out of the same lump one vessel, one person, for honorable use, they're going to be in the kingdom loving Jesus, and another for dishonorable use, they're not going to be in the kingdom, and they're going to outer darkness. What if God, and Paul's not musing aloud, hmm, I wonder if God, no, he's telling us here, he's making a statement. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make his power known, hmm, what's God doing in all of creation? Why did he do this? He has a a purpose. He wants to show his wrath. He wants to make his power known. It's all right for God to do that. He's God. What if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to, here's a higher purpose, to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand, even us whom he called, not from Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. So what are we saying? Uh, how, How do I respond to the idea that there are millions who never heard the gospel and are going to hell? God is the potter. We are the clay. We don't get to question him. He is God. He is what he is. He made everything. That's pretty obvious. He's sovereign over it all. He's the all-wise and all-powerful God. What we do is we bow to him and we recognize God can do with various humans what he wants to do with them, ultimately for his own glory and to show his justice and his holiness. So, You might not like that answer. You might not be grasping that. You might be like, ooh, that's not the answer I wanted. But this is the answer of Scripture, and it's the answer of truth. It's the answer that helps you understand who God really is. Put it another way. Don't try and judge God according to your rules. Judge God according to his being, his nature. He's God. Bow before him and call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, those are the questions for today. Thanks for listening. Uh, Keep sending in your questions. I look forward to them. Can't answer them all, but get to as many as we can. Blessings.